This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast. You know, one of the things that's come out of this entire COVID-19 pandemic is the attack on our religious freedoms that when the coronavirus first showed up, and of course, everybody was afraid that we were going to lose 2 million Americans or something like that. At least to me, it never occurred that our religious freedom would be at stake. I live down in Florida. We have hurricanes. When a hurricane blows through, of course, everything shuts down. Everybody gets off the road. And if it happens on a weekend, of course, there's no church. But it's only a day or two. You know, it doesn't drag on for weeks. And I have been concerned about the attacks on our religious freedom. I have done a number of podcasts with different people that have had attacks, including Rodney Howard Brown down here in Tampa, not far from where I live. And the Hillsborough County Commission backed off of that. The state governor, Ron DeSantis, even changed the terminology where churches were no longer considered non-essential. But this has happened around the country, and one of the most egregious, to me at least, has happened recently in New Mexico. And my guest today is Pastor Caleb Cooper, and also my guest is the sheriff of Sierra County, Glenn Hamilton, who just the day before we recorded this in mid-May, basically stared down the authorities, and I want to find out what happened. So first of all, welcome to both of you, and why don't you tell my listeners exactly what happened when you had service on Mother's Day and got a cease and desist order that came from your state troopers from the governor herself. How you doing, Steve? This is Pastor Caleb Cooper, uh, New Hope Revival Church in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. I think it's important to maybe give a little bit of a backdrop. The first phone call I received from the state police to me was quite alarming because within that voicemail, there was a clear declaration that the church is non-essential. That's actually what the voicemail said. It said the church is non-essential and should be shut down. Um, my concern with that, New Mexico was actually originally in the middle of COVID-19 when it first hit, was leading the way because churches were exempt. And then suddenly the day before Easter, our governor sent out alerts to every phone across the state of New Mexico saying that church is not even safe. And then later that day, she declared the church to no longer be exempt from this order, in which case we were unable to meet from her orders and declaration. And so our church, we went ahead and moved forward. We believe we have a God-given First Amendment right. It's not given by the government. It's not given by man. It's transferred, inalienable by the hands of God into, you know, every one of us, American citizens. And so we exercise the right to worship Jesus Christ. And in that place, that's when I received my first phone call. Again, the voicemail was quite alarming, declaring us to be non-essential. And my, my first response to that, Steve, and feel free to stop me at any moment, was to go to our county sheriff, because I do believe that God is raising up sheriffs across the nation. The sheriff, if, if you're unaware out there, is considered the chief law enforcement of a county. And so when I couldn't find a place of relief or defense for my First Amendment right in that moment, you know, if I had the president's phone number, he probably couldn't have helped me. The governor obviously couldn't help me. Legislators couldn't help me. But when I went to the sheriff's office and I sit down with him and I've noticed that they've mobilized sheriffs across New Mexico when gun rights were under attack. And I just simply said, hey, sheriff, I'm a concerned pastor. I said, I've watched the sheriffs mobilize and stand for the Second Amendment right 
the right to bear arms, would you be willing to stand for the God rights? Well, let me ask a question because I want to sort of understand the context. Yes, sir. Easter was in mid-April, and did you actually have service on Easter Sunday in your church? Yes, sir. And so you had service for several weeks leading up to Mother's Day, which was May 10th. And why did they happen to single you out? Were you the only church in the county that was meeting? I, I believe so. There were there there was a few, obviously, still you know doing the online. But as far as in person, I, I would I would say so. And were you practicing social distancing? Were you disinfecting? What were you doing to try to keep people safe during that time? Well, the interesting part about it is, you know, I pulled about a hundred chairs out of our sanctuary. Our, our heart was not to be defiant to any order. We, we took 100 chairs, took them out. And then at the time, you couldn't have any, any gathering over five people. That's what the order put out. So what I did is I, I put the chairs in groups of five and then distanced each group within six feet in the sanctuary, obviously to try to honor authority as well as exercise my First Amendment right. We had masks available in the back. We didn't push them, but they were available. The people knew they were available as well as hand sanitizer. And in your area, has there been a huge outbreak of COVID-19? Were you aware of any of the members of your church or their families who had it? That's the interesting part. I mean, even during that time, we had zero cases and and still today we're considered zero. The sheriff can speak to that. Um, There was one case that appeared And I want him to speak with that because he's got a little bit more details even on that one case. So in other words, there was not a really high risk. I mean, if there is a pandemic and there are lots of people sick, of course, they quarantine the sick people or those who are vulnerable. But it's like somebody said, this is the first pandemic where the healthy were quarantined. Absolutely. And so you took these precautions. Did they overlook it for several weeks? Why did they pick Mother's Day? Well, and, and from that moment, I received that first phone call. Like I said, I met with the sheriff, the sheriff. And, and I think, you know, just to give you a little bit of a timeline, the next week he was in our service. He um, encouraged the people and reaffirmed, you know, our right, uh, First Amendment right, God-given right to, to peaceably assemble. And then the following Sunday, and this, this is important here, I think, he came to church and deputized people within the congregation. and so. Literally a week from that moment, because one, once the sheriff deputized, you know, people within the congregation that hit the news, it became very loud. The media grabbed the hold of that. And within seven days, that following Sunday on Mother's Day, when we had another service, what was interesting about that is, you know, I, I was ministering. But, you know, many told me that the state police were outside a few times. They could have potentially served it then maybe, but obviously the sheriff was here as chief law enforcement for the county, but not necessarily to just blatantly stand in the way, but to serve our church and the community. And then, you know, from there, when we left the church on Mother's Day, we we noticed that the state police in our rearview mirror pulled into the church. I could see them. They sat here. I went and got some food for Mother's Day, came back by the church, saw that they were still sitting in the parking lot. I didn't know what they were doing. And then I started getting text messages that they're at the church. I mean, so literally two hours sitting here, maybe maybe looking in the building. I know some had said that. When I got home, we put food on the grill. Suddenly I get, uh, my, my wife says, there's two state police outside. And so 
you know, I walk up to the door and that's where it began, where they served that cease and desist at my home on Mother's Day. You know, I never thought I would live to see the day where this kind of thing happened with churches and never thought a church would ever be called non-essential, especially when you consider, at least in the part of the country where I live, the liquor stores are open and some states, the abortion clinics are open. They're apparently considered essential, but churches are non-essential. So grocery stores are open. In our area, Home Depot, all that kind of stuff is open. In fact, uh, Matt Staver and I were talking about this on my podcast, and you know, two people can pass each other safely in the grocery store, uh, you know, staying apart or you know, n- trying not to share germs or whatever m- might be going on. But those same two people, if they went to church, cannot pass each other in the pew. What do you think is happening? I mean, why has this popped up? Is there a, a latent disdain for churches or a, a desire on the part of some officials? You know, I hate to read bad motives with your officials there in New Mexico, but it almost looks like they're looking for an excuse to uh, tell the churches to shut down, especially when the risk is so low. I mean, it'd be one thing if 50 people in your church had come down with COVID-19. We would probably all look at it a little bit differently, but that hasn't happened. What do you think is happening? Well, I I can tell you, I'm probably just as concerned as you are, you know, when you consider there there's laws, I don't want to say laws because I don't, you know, this order is a little bit different, but when something like this is passed and then law enforcement is used to enforce it, but yet it's across the board, whether you have hundreds of cases or zero or one case, the same ramifications happening within this order, I mean, is, is very concerning. My, my, my only thoughts within this is, and again, we, we can't really speculate, but I will say it's interesting to me that some of the states that refused to put in stay-at-home orders, refused to restrict the church, just strictly stood by the U.S. Constitution, seems to have lower cases of COVID, and that's been proven. And so, you know, what is it about honoring, you know, our inalienable rights that, again, welcomes, I believe, the presence of God into states and regions that's willing to honor a covenant between America and, 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 and God? And so I know that don't necessarily answer the question, but, but I know that our state has very low COVID-19 cases, but yet even the testing, from what I'm hearing, we're doing per capita, like we're New York, and even the aggressiveness against the church without having any confirmed cases coming out of the church, to my knowledge, and, and Sheriff Glenn can speak to that. And so there's, you can't even really find that and trace that within the churches, but yet there's this heavy-handed implementation of something that undoubtedly restricts the church. Now, the first few weeks, I have a lot of pastor friends. They felt like they needed to, you know, do online and different things, and I was concerned from the very moment that there was any order that would restrict the house of God. And we've truly just, you know what? We have a first amendment, right? We're taking a stand. We're open. When this COVID first hit, I began to pray. I said, Lord, I I got, I know a lot of pastors. I know what they're doing, but what do you want new hope revival church to do? And he said, son, I want you to keep my lighthouse open because this is America's storm. And it will be known as America's great divide. You're about to see a divide, not only, outside of the body of Christ, but within the body of Christ. And I've certainly seen that to be a true thing, because as you know, there's much debate concerning Romans 13, whether it's in context or out of context. And I've simply took the stance that says, you know what? The United States Constitution is the supreme law of the land. 
We have partnered and united with our sheriff, who is the highest chief law enforcement of the county. He supports us. He's here. He's deputized people in our church. I don't know how much more authority I can submit to in the process of just simply exercising my First Amendment right. Well, I want to ask Sheriff Hamilton his opinion about this and what has transpired. And then I want to talk a little bit about what happened at your service yesterday and the rally beforehand. So, Sheriff, thank you for taking time. I know you're very, very busy. But how did you get involved and what have you done in this whole case as it has unfolded? So, thank you, Steve. I was originally contacted by Pastor Cooper um, shortly after the governor had issued her church restrictions uh, uh, prior to the Easter uh, Easter Sunday services. There were many churches across the state that actually continued to hold their services, mainly because of the short notice. They had already made plans. Pastor Cooper was one of the churches in the, in the state that had also done that. When he contacted me again, as he had alluded to earlier, that New Mexico sheriffs, 29 of the 33 counties had actually adopted uh, Second Amendment uh, sanctuary resolutions after some of the gun bill battles that we've had with our legislatures over the past two years. So when he approached me and said, look, Sheriff, you know, you've been a proponent for the Second Amendment, and, and how about the First Amendment? And, and so it was a pretty easy answer. I mean, I said, you know, when I raised my right hand, I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States in its totality, not just uh, pick and choose those ones that I liked or or that happened to fit my particular uh, uh, situation. So after I was confronted, I'd actually got with the state police to set up a meeting with all of the local clergy in which to see if there, there could uh, be a happy medium. There were some provisions that were, were provided for within the new order that allowed the churches to live stream their services or broadcast and podcast them, and even to have some of their congregations accumulate in the parking lots as opposed to appearing in, in person. So I facilitated that meeting with the, the local district commanders of the state police who, under the provisions of New Mexico law in, in an emergency declaration like this, they have the sole responsibility and authority to, to enforce the, the provisions. So again, it's not, it, did, it never came down upon the local authorities, and there was never a question as to whether I had to enforce the uh, provisions of these orders as they came out. So when I was, again, I was approached by the pastor. I had facilitated the meeting. Essentially, we left the meeting with an understanding that the state police believed they had a job to do and a duty to and an obligation to the uh, to the governor's order, and that uh, those those pastors that uh, they encouraged the pastors to stay within the guidelines of the order. They wanted to live stream their service, and Pastor Cooper made it made it quite clear that again he would he live streams his services. He does that even even before the order had gone into effect. But if somebody came to the doors of his church while he was preaching, it's not going to turn him away. And so when I came to the services uh, shortly thereafter, just to kind of see what Pastor Cooper had put in place in, in his attempt to, to comply uh, with the social distancing provisions, it was clear that they were doing everything that they could in their power to comply with the order. Now, there was a large church, a mega church in the, in the Albuquerque area that had filed a, a lawsuit. So we were kind of hoping that in the interim, uh, that they would gain that restraining order and it would basically open up all of New Mexico churches at that point. Um, unfortunately, the restraining order didn't, didn't uh, go in. But during the course of that hearing, um, the secretary of the Department of Health, cabinet secretary who issues the public health orders, did actually indicate that she was uh, willing to settle on a hard cap of 30 individuals in the church in which to put on the church services for the live streaming. And so 
because the requirement under the law is that it's generally applicable across the board. If she was willing to provide that exception to the legacy church, then uh, she would have to apply that uh, equally across the board to all the churches. Uh, so I attended the next week, and again, there was 29 individuals in the, in the church that were here to participate in the service and allow Pastor Cooper to put, to put this on. So I have to say I was quite surprised when the New Mexico State Police showed up at his door after Mother's Day services to issue him that because in, uh, for what I witnessed, uh, Pastor Cooper was not in violation of, of what the Secretary of Department of Health in New Mexico was willing to allow as a hard cap of 30. Why has been the mood in the community and around the state of New Mexico to all of this happening? Have people come to your defense, Pastor Cooper? Have other churches spoken up or they just been quiet? I mean, this would apply to every church, whether it's Roman Catholic or Mormon, and even to other religions. You know, if you have uh, synagogues or mosques in your state, uh, has everybody just kind of cowered down and tried not to be noticed or people rallied to your defense. I did notice on Facebook, and of course, you know, the internet has just been ablaze with this story. Some of the comments were pretty nasty. Of course, you don't know where the comments came from. You know, people saying, you know, why isn't the church concerned with people's health? I'm just curious, your observation being out there in New Mexico, what the mood is. You know, I would say, from my position here, Steve, I've watched What's blown my mind in all of this, obviously, when you take a stand like this and you say, you know what, we're going to be here. The church ain't going anywhere. Interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic in this because you, you provoke multiple camps. You know, you've got many. I've had pastors contact me. That's just like I'm behind you, brother. This it's actually hit their doorstep. You know, when you watch a video on Facebook and you know, someone's potentially recording a law enforcement agent that's shutting down a business or arresting a pastor. You know, there might be that part of you that says, is that video real? But when it hit New Mexico, because, you know, I've been to all 33 counties, I know many of these pastors, you know, it hit home for them. So I've undoubtedly had phone calls and people that I honestly, I didn't even know exist get behind us. I mean, we even had, believe it or not, in one of the comment threads, an atheist that says, I don't even believe in God. But I believe that this pastor has a right to serve his God, whatever that may look like. I may come and stand with him, too. And so that's interesting when you've got someone that don't know God versus someone that potentially might have, as you've seen before as well, a religious spirit whispering in their ear, just calling this thing completely rebellious and defiant against authority. But we've witnessed people rise up and and begin to become great spiritual allies in this. And I think, you know, Sheriff Glenn can speak to this, but I know at one moment, at one point, once this thing hit the news, he had at least five churches, maybe within our county, that said, it's time to open, you know? And so, and, and we're, I think we're starting to see that across the state. And I can speak to that rally. That rally blew us away yesterday. I didn't know what to expect. We got to the fairgrounds. I mean, people came from every part of the state, um, businesses, you know, people aren't that walked up to me and said, I don't even go to church, but I'm, I felt like I needed to get there, you know, and they got their flags and they got here. And we had people not only from New Mexico, some from Arizona that came, I think some drove up from Texas that said, no, we're taking a stand. This is becoming far too real now that in a county, once again, that has one case where from my understanding came from out of town, but nowhere within this is COVID seemed to be an issue, but yet they're taking that level of intensity to enforce this. And so the parade, 
from the reports I got, I was in the parade, but they said there was a mile long distance worth of vehicles that stretched across this city. And it was overwhelming. I can't begin to tell you how many people, I, I couldn't even count them. And many of them, what was interesting about this, Steve, is many of them that came because there was a rally right after, most of them stuck around. There some that had to cut out, but stuck around. They were able to hear the gospel. They were able to hear a prophetic word. I believe we were able to speak to the hearts of politicians. There was many candidates that came that are running for different seats that came up to me and said, this did something to me. I feel something burning inside of me. And I know that this is the heartbeat of God, that somehow we've got to create a venue. And I don't care what it looks like or the warfare that comes with it. Yeah, this happened to be a venue that allowed us to preach a clear prophetic word marked by the gospel of Jesus Christ that set hearts ablaze that are actually running for positions that could impact future laws in New Mexico. Well, that's very interesting. And as I've talked and reported with different people, some of these governors and mayors who have been, you know, in my opinion, hostile to the gospel and who've really overstepped their bounds in other ways, too. They're, you know, we do have accountability in this country at the ballot box. And I think that voters need to turn out in force and I'm going to use a hard word, punish them by voting them out of office. And it'll send a chill through the other ones. It's almost like there have been people in power that have enjoyed flexing their power a little bit too much. And today it's COVID-19. Tomorrow, what might it be for them to try to shut down churches or shut down businesses or to you know, make us cower in our homes for whatever reason, you know, with this very, very strong arm of the government. So it's interesting what happened, this parade. I saw a little clip on YouTube or Facebook or somewhere of a bunch of horses in parade, and I heard that, that a bunch of cowboys showed up in force to support you as well. Absolutely. And, and I'll let the sheriff speak to that. Cowboys for Trump called us. They said, we feel like we need to be on the front lines of this thing. We support you, Pastor. We are coming because we want to ride two reasons here. We want to ride in support of your sheriff and for this pastor in New Hope Revival Church. But Sheriff Glenn can share a little bit more about the Cowboys for Trump. They are very effective. So the Cowboys for Trump, yeah, they were, were just an amazing group as you for those of you that know the history of these these guys there, they've ridden everywhere from Washington, D.C. to New York City, California, Oregon, Washington, all throughout the nation. So to have a, a such an organization like that willing to come out and, and show their support for, uh, I mean, again, this, these are our constitutional rights. These are, these are rights that the government is supposed to be safeguarding, not taking away from them. And, and really that, that, you know, to have those individuals their willingness to come out to, to take a day out of their schedule uh, just to come out and support was was overwhelming and and but it it's also in in line with the type of of, of support that we've been re receiving from the get go on this. For every one of those negative comments out there, I would say I've had twenty five to thirty that were, uh, were were saying that you know this is this is absolutely the right thing to do and even in some cases they wish their sheriff would do the same thing. Well, as we wrap up this podcast, I just want to, you know, find out from both of you what you think is going to happen next. It looks to me like you kind of stared down the governor and she blinked. But what do you think the next step is going to be? And when do you think that churches will finally be able to open up entirely and it's kind of like 
life back to usual, or are we going to face more attacks from the government on our constitutional freedom of religion rights? Well, Steve, let me let me say this. I, I know what happened yesterday and what happened even on Mother's Day, as sad as that was to see for many on Facebook, uh, it, it became a reality to check. But it also, I believe, from Mother's Day and even before, even up to yesterday, was absolutely catalytic, prophetic moments that I believe became an extreme launch point for our church. I know there's dialogue, not just our church, but the church in general across our state. I know there's dialogue happening now. I know for me, my stance will not change. We're going to be open and we're going to preach the uncompromised gospel of Jesus Christ. And most people who know us and know this house and know what's happening, even in relationship with me and the sheriff, we've got a united front and we don't plan on backing down. And we don't mind that hitting every airwave because that's the stance. But that unshakable faith that I believe is been granted to us by God, not something we can muster up in the flesh. It's very supernatural that when he granted this unshakable faith in this season, I believe it's very contagious right now. I've watched people get emboldened just being in the service and walking around and being around this environment. And you said something earlier that I think you hit the nail on the head and it's extremely important that the body of Christ understand this, is that what's happening during COVID-19 undoubtedly is a precursor for the future. And you know, I, I wrote a new book, but it's interesting because the Lord spoke to me about counties in this nation, that we are getting to a point that it is so hostile concerning our U.S. constitutional rights that you could end up in a communistic county or you could end up in a constitutional county predicated upon the chief law enforcement's beliefs. And I think it's time that America wakes up, gets to know their sheriff and make sure they vote in some sheriffs that's going to defend their constitutional rights. Because regardless of what comes down from president, governor, any legislator, at the end of the day, Chief law enforcement, your sheriff, has the power and the authority to partner with the local church to make sure our constitutional rights are defended. And so this is a precursor for the future. Many, because of fear and panic, which I believe is killing people more rapid than COVID-19, is setting the stage. In the future, people may not agree with the reason for some of these stay-at-home orders and lockdowns and unlawful overreach of U.S. constitutional rights, in which case they may take our position then. But I'm calling the church to take this position now, whether you agree or disagree, undoubtedly our rights are under siege. The U.S. Constitution is under siege and how we play this out now will be a prophetic, spiritual, constitutional blueprint for what the future may look like in your county, in your state. And so, Sheriff, I'll, I'll let Sheriff share from there. But So, Steve, uh, to, to answer your question, what do we see coming next in New Mexico? I, I think you hit on it. In November, there's going to be a reckoning. And I've been an outspoken critic of the governor from, from the get-go in the manner in which he's handled this in New Mexico. My 25 years of law enforcement, I've handled everything from mass casualties to natural disasters within the county here. And I can tell you that the way that you handle this is, is it has got to be in relation to the actual threat out there. It has got to be proportionate to the threat there. And as we indicated, before she even put her order in uh, restricting the church services, Sierra County maintained a zero presumptive positive count uh, within, our, within our boundaries. She, she continued to, to tout the science and say that we had, to get, we had to flatten this curve. Sierra County never had a curve to flatten. And I think what you're going to see as we go forward here is a gradual relaxing 
of these restrictions, that she's going to have to take notice that counties like Sierra, who have maintained their one case, and, and in that one case, again, this was an individual working in a construction crew up in northwest New Mexico, where they're experiencing the largest impact there, who had got sick on the job and had returned to Sierra County and stopped at the hospital to get tested. Um, he has since actually been fully recovered and is back on the job. Of course, that's the problem with some of their numbers here in New Mexico is they continue to run a, a, a running count and they're not taking those numbers down. So by all accounts, Sierra County still remains COVID-free, symptom-free. And I see that our message that, look, they're not coming, these cases aren't coming out of the, out of the, the churches. They're not coming out of these, these rural counties. And you cannot treat everybody in the county uh, like you do those areas that are actually being heavily impacted by this. So I see that, that the actions here in Sierra County have really sent a message up there that this is disproportionate. The way that this has been handled is completely disproportionate to the actual threat that the counties face. And, I mean, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the impact that it's had on New Mexico or that it's had on the nation. This has proven uh, to be a killer for certain members of our population. And we have done a really good job here in Sierra County. And, and we have a veterans center here, a veterans home. We have a, a nursing home here. Again, zero cases in, in these facilities. It can be totally devastating. We've taken extreme measures in which to safeguard those members of our community. But as the pastor said, you can't let fear dictate how you're going to live your life, especially when it comes to uh, the suspension of your Bill of Rights. And uh, that, that's, again, why, why I, I felt it was my duty and obligation. And, and quite frankly, uh, that's why Sierra County elected me to this position to take this stand with anyone in my county, regardless of whether it was a church or you know, whether it was the local bars that were shut down. Again, when you violate the constitutional rights of the citizens out there, it, it needs to be, it, or when you suspend those constitutional rights, it needs to be proportionate. As you said, in Florida, you know, you have a hurricane that comes through there. It might go on for a day or two or a week or so, but not this continuance. And, and, and again, we don't even know how long this is going to go on. But I think really the actions that, that we've taken here and the stance that Pastor Cooper has taken in allying with the, with the sheriff, my office here, I, I really think that it has, it, it has sent a message to the governor that you've got to make this proportionate. And really, I think she's going to continue to relax some of these restrictions. Well, I agree with you both, and I have so much admiration and respect for the stand that you've taken, and I think you're a role model for the entire country. I hope the listeners will share this with others. We ought to make this go viral. Every once in a while, my podcasts go viral, and you know this is my way to get the story out. We will be covering it on charismanews.com. And I want people to know how they can find out more about New Revival Church. Uh, maybe tell us the website where people could even go and watch some of your live streaming services, or uh, if some of them are recorded, find out. Some people may even want to make a donation and certainly follow this story. So, Pastor Cooper, how can people connect with you in the future? Certainly. Um, um, name of our church is New Hope Revival Church. We Our website is newhoperevivalchurch.com. We do live stream on there. And then Pastor Caleb Cooper, you can find on YouTube as well, where those services are streamed. And, and then as far as resources as well, some of that same, um, some of the same messages that are live streamed are available on audio form. And, and actually July 4th, Steve, you know, me and the sheriff, we've got this 
Jesus focused book coming out. And it's very interesting because the Lord spoke to me, Steve, and he says, I want you to write in quarantine and I'm going to show you something. And I began to write and he said, I want one endorsement on this book. I don't want anyone else to endorse it. And that seemed odd to me because, you know, I don't know. I've only written one other book that's releasing tomorrow. But what's interesting, Steve, I'm like, why do we want one endorsement? Honestly, my thought was, I don't even think I'm going to do any endorsements on this book just because I felt no reason. I was in quarantine. God said, write it and send it out and tell my message. And the Lord says, I want the sheriff, if he's willing, I want you to go to him and ask him to endorse a book that's going to be released July 4th, 2020. And I write about the constitutional sheriff and their impact in a nation. As we begin to fight some of this, I believe unlawful overreach that didn't go away and probably not didn't go away now, even in our lives, and some that are free with open access to just not have stay-at-home orders, this COVID thing has still been impactful. And so when I approached him, I'm thankful that not only is there an endorsement, that, but there's a paragraph and some quotes and some things that God began to speak to him in this process. And so I, I wanted to share that because it's going to be a unique a unique thing for July 4th. We, we have got to get back to defending our U.S. constitutional rights like never before. But newhoperevivalchurch.com, you can, you can see our services there. CalebCooperMinistries.com is a place to find resources. And Steve, I want to say to you, thank you for just allowing us to come on here and, and be a voice in your podcast. I know, I know you're extremely influential and, and God has used you in a powerful way. And we just absolutely feel honored. We're on the backside of a desert believe it or not, in this city called Truth or Consequences that many don't even know exists. But thank you for allowing our voices to be amplified in the nation. And, and we appreciate that. Yes, definitely. Well, you're welcome. And tell us the name of the book. And I guess people can get it on Amazon. The one book is coming out this week and then the next one in July. We need to get these in the hands of many people. I'm sure they will inspire many. Well, the, the my first one here, it's called Pioneering Prophetic Patterns of Purpose. When encountering God leads to another encounter. And it's really, you know, I won't spend long on it, Steve. It's just a, it's a spiritual blueprint for really understanding the prophetic and what God's speaking on the land of different regions. It actually includes prophecies for all 33 counties of New Mexico. The Lord spoke to me. He says, I'm sending a synergetic revival to New Mexico. It's going to be marked by a united people. It'll be awakened by the past, empowered by the present, mobilized by the future. There's a lot of verbiage there, but the book will explain it. But the Lord had me put boots on the ground in all 33 counties. I never knew that, you know, a few years later, not only would there be a book about it, but I would be standing in a situation where I need all 33 counties to be awakened and begin to function as the body of Christ, waging war against anything that seeks to violate our First Amendment right to worship Jesus. But it includes those prophecies. It also has Mississippi, Louisiana, the Navajo Nation. A lot of different places we've been where God, the, the whole book's about when you say yes to Jesus, watch it, how the prophetic is no longer a bunch of words in a suitcase, on a laptop, on your iPad that you just rejoice and tell people about. Jesus was the word made flesh. At some point, we've got to take all this prophetic dreams and visions and all the things we've had in our lives and actually put hands and feet to them and begin to become the word made flesh. And so that's pioneering prophetic patterns of purpose releases tomorrow. Amazon.com, you can buy it there, as well as CalebCooperMinistries.com. Then July 4th, we've got Jesus-focused, awakening, end-time, prophetic strategy, where I just simply look at the life of Jesus 
And there's so many prophetic elements. If You know, the, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. I don't think there's any sure word more sure than looking at the life of Jesus. And as I begin to look at his life, I found that there are prophetic moments from birth to death to resurrection that if we'll just apply what he did and those that are around him, we instantly have strategies for awakening no matter what signs of the time hit a nation no matter what we face in the midst of persecution, he walked it. Let's do what he did. And then the book suddenly shifts for a few more chapters. I'd say three or four more chapters into a resource at the back of the book that simply shows how the church was essential, is essential, and will always be essential from the founding of this nation where God made covenant with man. George Washington at ground zero, we know that he made a covenant with God. And that's why many things start in New York City because there was a covenant that was made with God. Even with COVID, New York getting hit the worst during this time. But you'll be able to uh, actually pre-order that book May 24th at uh, CalebCooperMinistries.com. It will not be on Amazon until July 4th or a little bit before. Well, thank you to you both for being on my podcast. I'll have to invite you back closer to July 4th when we can go over what happens between now and then and also talk about this new book you know, that seems so interesting. I'm going to order it right away, and I hope many other people will. And I want to encourage my listeners, as I did a moment ago, to share this podcast. I've had a couple really blow up because they really hit a chord, as I think this podcast is. I really believe this is one of the most important ones I've ever done. And I just say, God bless you to both of you. Stand strong. America needs many more pastors and elected officials to stand strong like you have. Thank you, Steve. God bless you, and we and we so appreciate this opportunity. You have a blessed day. I want to add a P.S. to what I believe is a very, very important podcast and mention to you that I have written about this in my new book, God, Trump, and COVID-19. There's quite a bit written about freedom of religion and things that happened as I was writing this book. I wrote it basically in the month of April. It's already available on Amazon, and you can also get it from Steve Strang books.com. And I'll just mention to you a special that if you buy the ebook from us, which is only $5, I'll give you a free copy of my hardback $24 book called Trump Aftershock. All you do is pay the postage or if your total order with other things you buy comes to $20, the shipping is included with what you pay. And you can also buy multiple copies of it. It's my way to try to get out the word is kind of a sequel, as you may have heard me say before, to my book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. It was written, of course, before we even heard the word COVID-19, really before it was even discovered. And, of course, COVID has really thrown in a very new element to the election, and that's why I felt urged by the Holy Spirit to write this book, and I hope you will take time to get it. The new one is a shorter book. It's only 128 pages, but it goes hand-in-hand with God, Trump, and the 2020 election. You can find out more at stevestrangbooks.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this. Post it, please, on social media. Email it to friends. I'm going to do the same. And also follow up and find out more about what's going on out there in New Mexico at Caleb Cooper's Church and Ministry. God bless you. Tune in again tomorrow for another podcast. I'm Stephen Strang. God bless you.